Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a bodybuilding enthusiast. Yeah, bodybuilding enthusiast. Yeah, Rob Fortress Fortney here, uh, a bodybuilding enthusiast as well. Um, currently a powerlifter, used to be a competitive bodybuilder, and play mean air guitar. Ooh, we got the Olympia this weekend, don't we? Anyway, this the is Olympic. Phil Stevens. Uh, Soon to be powerlifter again. I don't think I was ever like not a powerlifter, but uh, strength coach, run strength guild, and lift rope. Once a powerlifter, over powerlifter. Yeah, well, that's why sometimes I'll say bodybuilder, and I think if I have students listen to this, they're gonna be like, "See, does that mean he's competing now?" It's like, well, who was it that said, "Listen, I, uh, I didn't say I'm retired. I'm just not competing. No, no plans to compete right now." You know that sort of. Hey, I mean, I haven't competed since April. That's a while for me. That is a while for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Usually can eat every Tuesday, so yeah, no, right, no, no doubt. <laughs> and we've also got uh, soon to be Dr. Mike Nelson with us, a frequent contributor. Thanks for being on, Mike. Hey guys, always a good time as always. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, All right, uh, I'm going to start off with a little bit of vitamin D stuff. This is some of the, in my opinion, this is some of the coolest stuff that I think I've shared as far as directly applicable kinds of uh, uh, nutrition update, science update. Strength and Muscle Sport News. This is further to uh, my asking you about this in last week. So That's right. So and I'm going to share some uh, review papers and some data with everybody. Uh, and true to I, his word, and true to his word, he's back, folks, with the information he promised us. That's right. That's Darn. that's what Rock Solid's all about, man. Hence the name. Hence the name. Right. You can count on me. Okay. Um this first one I think is interesting. It's about the role of vitamin D in insulin resistance. Uh, and I like how it starts off because as someone who's taught nutrition for a long time, this is how we usually teach vitamin D to the you know freshman 101 crowd. It says vitamin D is characterized as a regulator of homeostasis of bone and mineral metabolism. But it can also provide non-skeletal actions because vitamin D receptors have been found in various tissues. So I mentioned last time vitamin D is also a hormone. So listeners that are interested in you know, using hormones, for example, this is one you can go buy over the counter. Um, anyway, this is a, a review paper by Chi Chen Sung. So this is um, not a, a local <laughs> kind of journal, the Journal of Biomedicine and Biotechnology. Um, but anyway, it goes on to say um, it's been proposed that vitamin D deficiency plays an important role in insulin resistance resulting in diabetes. The potential role of vitamin D deficiency in insulin resistance has been proposed to be associated with inherited gene polymorphisms. So for you non-science guys, that just means your genetics. Um, particular, uh, singular, usually genetic type flaws, including vitamin D binding protein, vitamin D receptor, and vitamin D1 uh, alpha hydroxylase gene. And it goes on to say a lot of the, the link is through cytokine release and activating inflammation. Uh, of course, heart disease and diabetes and some of these other conditions, they're, in a sense, low-grade inflammatory states, right? So 
It says the effects of vitamin D deficiency, either acting in concert or alone, all serve to increase insulin resistance. Now, I'm reading this first one partly because this paper, which is just called The Role of Vitamin D in Insulin Resistance, it's got a nice little diagram. It's a nice little review. Um, I was I pulled this up free off of PubMed or Medline, um, but it actually has the little map of, you know, how you have 7D hydrocholesterol in your skin and then... It gets hydroxylated in your liver and again in your kidney and then it becomes ready to rock, you know. Um, but anyway, it's an interesting paper and I think middle-aged listeners might be especially interested in that because there's a natural or it may be inevitable, I don't know, uh, loss of insulin sensitivity uh, and a little bit poorer glucose tolerance as you age. So vitamin D um, could be part of that, especially because vitamin D function in the body tends to ebb as you age. So especially if you're middle-aged uh, or if you think you're not partitioning nutrients well, vitamin D might be your problem. It's a very common uh, deficiency or subclinical deficiency um, really anywhere north of Atlanta, I've heard. So when so, you say, yeah, so just to clarify to, to listeners, when you say vitamin D is your problem, you mean a deficiency of the vitamin D, not that you're getting oh, too much of no, vitamin that's D. Right. Right. Um, ironically, boatloading vitamin D could have reverse effects. Um, oh. If you do hear that vitamin D has mixed data, a lot of it's because it's been underdosed, but some people have gone so hog wild with the injectable route that it'll actually backfire and hurt insulin sensitivity in, in truly enormous doses. Okay. Anyway, usually the recommendation to change your blood levels would be probably three to 5,000 IUs a day for around a month, let's say, and they have it checked. It usually takes several weeks to get going like that. Um, I was joking before we started recording that I know a endocrinologist, and he laughs about how nutritionists use such small amounts, and he just gives people whopping 50,000 IU doses you know, in a shot. That takes care of that. But um, what I want to share is two things. One, as far as the benefits here, this is uh, from Pills et al., and I actually gave this away free the last time we did a membership drive. Uh, to people who became supporting members, I did a little treatise on boosting your testosterone, and this is one of the papers from that. It's uh, Hormone and Metabolic Research 2011. Uh, like I said, pills at all. The effect of vitamin D supplementation on testosterone levels in men. And it basically just says, um, previous data suggests an association of 25-hydroxy vitamin D with testosterone levels in men. By the way, that's what you actually measure. Even though it's, it's a sort of a midway toward, be, toward completion, uh, 25-hydroxy vitamin D is what you really look at and your doctor will look at in circulating blood. But it says healthy, overweight men. There were 200 of them. They were not diabetic. Um, 165 participants, 54 men uh, of the men completed the trial, et cetera. They, they received either uh, 3,300 IUs of vitamin D daily for a year or a placebo. They were originally at the low end of the vitamin D range and the testosterone range. So, um, you know, not that uncommon, actually. It says there was a significant increase in total testosterone levels and in bioactive and free testosterone over the course of the year in the guys who got the 3,300 IUs of vitamin D. So my first thought was, okay, statistically significant. Is this biologically relevant? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a 25% when you do the math here. 25% rise um, in free testosterone and almost that high in free testosterone in these guys that got 3,300 IUs of vitamin D daily for a year. So um, that's sort of a big deal. I mean, when you think about uh, 
how many people are low D. So it's a good chance that especially as the winter months approach and we don't get much sunshine on our face and arms and whatnot, um, you're going to be low D. So think about supplementing it. And there it is, 3,300 will actually raise your, your T levels over the course of a year. What I think is significant, right? If you think about testosterone on a, like a thousand point scale, that's 250 points. That's, that's no joke. So now, a couple questions for you there. Um, when you're taking a supplement with a, with a D vitamin, should you take it with a meal or on an empty stomach or does that matter? I don't think it matters. Mike, do you know by chance? Yeah, I would guess it probably doesn't matter, but, you know, since it is a fat soluble, if you can take it with a meal, it's probably a little bit better, but it's I've, I haven't seen any data to show either way. My next question is, um, again, expanding on what I asked last week about the, you see mostly D3 as the supplement in the supplement form or something that's uh, pointing towards that. Is is that significant? Well, only that, I, like I said last week, I think that's about the only kind you're really going to see sold. I mean, you might see ergocalciferol, you might see vitamin D2, um, but and those are not the equivalent, actually. Even though they may be the equivalent on changing blood levels and things like that, uh, there was an interesting paper I had in my office. It's not with me, but literally says that you know D2 is not the equivalent of D3. Uh, okay. Anyway, but I don't think you're going to run into that. I think if you buy a vitamin D supplement, I, w- I would prefer gel caps. I think Mike probably agrees. Yeah. Either way on that, and also what Lonnie was saying too, the. The half-life of vitamin D2, which is actually only available by prescription in the U.S., is only four to six hours, where the half-life on D3, which is the only form you can get in a supplement, at least in the U.S., is actually two to three weeks. Oh. So like what Lonnie was saying is I've seen some testing results from people, and their doctor ran a vitamin D test, but it was a 1-25 hydroxy. So they were actually looking at vitamin D2 levels, and then they put them on a prescription for D2. They come back in in a couple of weeks, and they go, wow, we fixed your vitamin D levels. Well, they test them again in a few months and find that they're, you know, back down in the basement again. That's interesting. Because the turnover of D2 is so fast. Right. So if you go into your physician and you get tested, make sure they run the 25-hydroxy test so that they're right. looking at D3. And if they give you a prescription for a vitamin D supplement, it's almost always D2. So D3 is actually going to be much better, right. unless you've got like some kidney issues or something. The like only that. place I've seen D2 is in some milk, and I'm not even sure if they do that anymore. But yeah, uh, ergo calciferol, you know, in your milk, mm, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, milk. since <laughs> since then I've actually looked at I've looked at cow's milk. We're talking cow's milk here, and it's totally calciferol. It's D3. I, I don't see any big problem uh, with that. But anyway, it, honestly, a lot of this early vitamin D stuff, maybe, well, not super early, but five, ten years ago, they started saying, oh, you know, the 400 IUs of, of ergo calciferol that's in milk doesn't seem to be enough to raise your blood levels, you know. So then they had to actually supplement with a couple of thousand units a day and whatnot. I would ha- have everybody be careful. I mean, uh, don't get overly excited and, and take, you know, unchecked vitamin D injections and and all that kind of. It is a hormone. Just respect it. It's it's not very toxic like we were talking about before we hit record. But um, let me share one last thing about this because I don't want to make the whole show about vitamin D. This is September 2012. Keglia et al. This is a paper from Boston, Massachusetts. It's called Vitamin D and its Role in Skeletal Muscle. 
So again, we need to get away from this idea that there's just vitamin D receptors like on your osteoblasts building bone tissue or something. It's going to raise testosterone uh, in all likelihood. And it says, this review discusses the clinical and lab studies that have been examined, uh, examined a role for vitamin D in skeletal muscle. Many observational studies, mainly in older populations, indicate vitamin D status is positively associated with muscle strength and physical performance. Mm. So that's interesting. And this may be through a, a testosterone mechanism in part. Who knows? But right. it, it says um, vitamin D receptor activation at the genomic level regulates transcription of genes involved in calcium handling and muscle cell differentiation and proliferation. Well, proliferating muscle sounds pretty good, I think, to a lot of uh, lifters. Um, to, to kind of uh, tease this apart, it says additional evidence comes from vitamin D receptor knockout mice, where they basically, you know, remove their ability to, you know, deal vitamin D. And it says they have abnormal muscle for morphology and abnormal physical function. Um, also, vitamin D receptor polymorphisms, again, abnormal genes for proper use of vitamin D, uh, are associated with differences in muscle strength. So th- the whole thing about this, I-, I really really caught my eye, was that there's a positive association with muscle strength and physical performance. And when you look at animal models, that they, they interfere with that. You know, they're weak and small. So, um, you know, more evidence for vitamin D, you know, like I said, especially because in all likelihood, most listeners, if you're not low D right now, which you probably are, you will be come Christmas time. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, and you were saying that you actually prefer the gel caps over the others, the tabs? Uh, yeah, over something solid or just the, you know, the small amount of vitamin D that's going to be in a multivitamin pill. Uh, right. I, that's, but I'm I don't say think if, it's, if, it's if not it's a make it, or break, you know. Okay, so if it's a, a specific D vitamin that's in tablet form, that's not, um, <clears throat> no, I don't not think it's a big somehow problem. inferior or, okay. No, fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, generally, they're better absorbed when there's a little bit of fat around. In a gel cap, there's a little oil in there. You know, it's not packed and hard and dry. It just might be a little more bioavailable, but I haven't seen data on that. And like I said, it's not a make or break kind of thing. Uh, I do know people with fat malabsorption syndromes tend to be low vitamin D. So like Mike was saying earlier, you, you know, eat a little fatty meal with it, and it's probably going to help, if anything. Right. Oh, one last point before we move on. There's not a lot of food sources. I can't give you a big list. No. Uh, unless you eat fish bones or something. Um, even milk is fortified, right? You've read the label, vitamin A and D fortified 2% milk or skim milk or what have you. So it's not even naturally in milk. It's fortified in there. There's just not a lot of food sources, which is, it's almost like omega-3 fats. You know, there's not a lot of great food sources of EPA and DHA or even linolenic acid. So supplementation, I think, is just easier in some cases. So it's very interesting, the, the, the whole idea of this, then, because you're looking at nature and how it must have evolved through the years, and you're thinking it, it's almost strange and an anomaly that it would be so that, you know, naturally human beings only derive that from sunlight and so forth, because so many people on the planet don't get huge amounts of sunlight. Well, I th- well that's pretty recent, though. Yeah, right. not now. <clears throat> like, if you think about, like... It, paleo nutrition kind of thinking or you know as humans evolved really only in the last i think one or two percent of our time on earth have humans been building you know artificial environments you know where we have carpeted floors and we've always got a ceiling over our head and we're temperature controlled oh exactly hell even even up until like the industrial age when we went into factories you know before that everybody was outside working (laughs) you know so 
Well, one more thing, Lonnie. I did find the toxicity data real quick on vitamin D. Um, I looked at this in the past. I couldn't find an acute dose of overdose in humans. The only thing they had was in dogs, and that was literally 3.5 million IUs per kilogram. So that would be an acute dose, the LD50, kill half of them. Crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. So then there is published toxicity. Uh, this is by Veith in 1999. But that's in people taking over 40,000 IUs per day for several weeks to months. Okay. So, again, it's it's possible, but mm, not, yeah, not likely. You, you kind of have to go to your mind. Yeah. Yep. I would suggest, obviously, talk to your doctor, have him check your yep. blood work. Mike was just talking about that. Then you know. Um, but I would say it's safe bet. Like I said, the research is pointing at a three to 5,000 IUs a day. Over the course of about a month, I don't think I would go on that forever and never check. I mean, just just go check. You, you should probably know anyway. So, uh, not that it's real toxic, but just do respect it because it is a hormone, you know, and it is fat soluble and it's going to stick around your body for a while and stuff like that. So, don't I, I just don't want anybody with like hypercalcemia <coughs> saying, you know, you guys told me to take millions of IU's and now I've got little hard nuggets in my muscles and skin and, and no, I didn't tell you to do that. Your doctor will tell you to do that. <coughs> Um, I got a nice letter here from Justin, and keeping with our new uh, mandate not to mention last names, I'll just say Justin H. How's that? Um, anyway, he's been uh, listening since May, the middle of May, so not too long, but he's right into us, and he's thanking us because he was always at a low body fat, and, and, but at the same time a low um, body weight. So anyway, he's now gaining size, and uh, he's growing again, and he's all happy. And um, the nice quote I want to say is, he says, there isn't enough words or bandwidth to express how life-changing your your, your guys' show is. Um, the stars have truly aligned to give such craftsmanship. You three have brought forth like a perfect recipe with just the right ingredients. And that's actually a nice uh, kind of a wow. segue into our topic of the day today. But uh, anyway, so yeah, thanks, yes, Justin. Oh, you also want to say to Phil... He'll be at the um, Branson to cheer you on. Oh, nice. He will be wearing his PETA shirt. Phil eats tasty animals. And he looks forward to <clears> shaking, <throat> shaking your hand. That's Justin H., huh? Justin H. Okay. So there you go. Oh, and he has, he left a nice uh, quote from Socrates. Um, and I think all our listeners will appreciate this quote. I, I, I certainly was not aware of this, and I, I thought, wow, that's great. Anyway, so this is from Socrates. What a disgrace it is for a man to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. Wow. What a disgrace it is for a man to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. I think that's great. So. It is. It's it's lost potential. Wasted potential. Right. So, Justin H., thank you very much for uh, your letter. Stay in contact. And, uh, yeah, Phil will also be uh, happy. Just make sure that you mention to him uh, who you are so he'll... Yeah. If I'm obviously getting ready to lift, don't come talk to me. People have made that, <laughs> have made that mistake, and it's not good. Um, but, yeah, any other time, come on up. Absolutely. You know, case in point, this is one example. I remember I was out in Venice Beach once with, with one of my buddies, and um, that was when Nasser uh, El Sambadi was, you know, kicking butt, and he was enormous. And we're out in Venice, and we're looking in the clothes rack out in, you know, in the front there before we go lift, and he's like, Look, it's Nasser. And he, this guy looked up, 
bright purple, nose flaring, steam coming out of his nostrils. I thought, and I said, oh my God, he's going to charge. <laughs> I mean, I said that out of my breath, but I'm just thinking, you idiot, shut your pie hole, man. This guy you know is what? It's actually not in the mood for it right now. It's you actually know? funny that you mentioned that about Nasser because my experience, well, I mean, I've, I've met, actually worked out with Nasser a couple times, but my experience with his, and, I, and again, I don't like to, you know, state that he has an anger management problem or, or did, but, um, kind of a funny story along the lines of what you just said, Lonnie. I was backstage once at, I believe it was probably the Arnold Classic, because I remember Arnold and Maria Shriver were standing there too, but they had as one of the midway kind of acts, they had that Billy Blanks dude coming out and doing his, what was it, Tybo? Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. He was doing, and he was, and he was, he had uh, him and all his dice, disciples were kind of warming up backstage and they were doing all these high flying kicks. And the backstage area was actually alarmingly small. And Nasser had walked off. I guess he was one of the last guys to do one of his compulsories or whatever he was doing. And he walked off, and Billy Blanks did this huge midair spin kick and intentionally with his foot coming no less than half a foot from Nasser's face. And I'll tell you, man, the look on Nasser's face was brutal. I mean, not I, happy. Like the whole room <laughs> kind of hushed. And, he, he, and Billy Blanks kind of just like kind of like just sulked back a little bit because I mean same kind of thing as you're saying it looked like literally he was going to charge the guy it was like a bull yeah, yeah. so interesting rhino <laughs> <laughs> trying to think bigger than bull <laughs> yeah so I, we're not saying Phil's going to do that to you buddy we're just no. saying it's when you're trying to get your head in the testosterone's rolling you know just um, give a little a wider berth yeah or, okay. or if you really want to ingratiate yourself with Phil bring food for him yeah, oh, yeah, that's like, always like well. four or five hot dogs, a couple slabs of pizza, <laughs> raw steaks, like raw a lion, steak. like in a lion's cage. <laughs> I eat all day at meats. A couple, couple of gift cards, McDonald's, whatever. Yeah. Donuts, man, donuts. Ooh, there donuts. You go. I know you're always talking about your whey protein and donuts. Oh, I know. <laughs> that sponsorship with Krispy Krispy Kreme, right? <laughs> I know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. I'm going to offer one last thing before we break. Just. If anybody's interested, just I feel like liability setting in. Medline Plus or really anywhere, if you type in Google hypervitaminosis D, it's going to give you a list of symptoms if you are overdoing it. Because I know half you guys that are listening, you're not going to go have your blood levels checked, and you really should. But <laughs> constipation, decreased appetite, dehydration, fatigue, irritability, muscle weakness, and vomiting are the symptoms. I think this is funny. Treatment, stop taking vitamin D. Recovery is <laughs> Anyway, so just Google hypervitaminosis D uh, if if you are concerned. I, like Mike said, it's not going to be a good channel. And they can get an at-home test through, like, ZRT Labs if they don't want to go into their physician because we know how much guys love talking to their physician. Um, they can even do that. Not that we're recommending you not to share that information with your physician, but at least you'd have a base idea of where you're at. You can bring that data in and show them next time you go in. What is that place again, Mike? Uh, ZRT Labs makes one. It's just an at-home blood spot. You know, prick your finger, bleed on the paper, let it dry, send it in, and they'll send you your results in the mail. Brilliant. All right. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow... Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So 
uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the Protein and Resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Weekly Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. And we're back. We didn't actually share any details about the topic for today, so here it is. We're going to talk recipes and food prep. And part of the reason for this, I think, is because the link, honestly, between all the nutrition advice and theorizing you hear online and actually accomplishing it, it's food, right? I mean, you have to eat it. If it's not delicious, you probably won't eat enough of it. So we're going to touch on several topics here. We're not just going to make this like a recipe show, although we will share some recipes. In fact, I often tweet recipes. Just uh, last night, I think I tweeted a thing about, I call I call it hearty meat and potatoes. And it's just onions and potatoes and fried up in some olive oil and then a bunch of chicken breasts and low-fat kielbasa I put in there. It's delicious, hearty, tasty. Anyways. <laughs> and so, just so all our listeners know, to get into the spirit, we've all donned our chef's hat. There you go. How about well? Let's start with you, Rob, because I know you're like the utilitarian here. So, <laughs> what do you have to offer? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um, I don't really have any recipes whatsoever. You're saying about if it's not delicious, people won't eat enough of it. Well, I I would be the the rare exception to that because I've trained myself to <laughs> eat copious amounts of crappy tasting food. So, um, yeah, it's I don't really point. have recipes, man. I just like crack eggs and pans. Uh, you know, crack eggs in, in blenders. Um, you know, th- throw a chicken breast into a boiling, uh, vat of water. Then just eat it. 
you know, being <laughs> I, I, no, like I, I, like, I know it sounds lame, but that literally is true. Like I mean, and Lonnie, you actually know this because you've actually witnessed this. I, I'm very, very, very boring. So yeah. uh, you know, I think my breakfasts are equally boring. You know, I'm a, I'm just a eggs and oatmeal kind of guy. I have berries and oatmeal almost every day for breakfast. You know, I have copious amounts of eggs. I eat both egg beaters and whole eggs. I just sometimes I'm in the mood for one or the other. I'm not really you know leaning one way or the other but um yeah everybody i can vouch rob is very uh straightforward lots of like hamburgers you know in the afternoon or you know some kind of beef or uh, you know what even if i go through a drive-through and get a hamburger and i know lonnie you're like much the same as me if i don't you know like if i go to like in canada we have a, a big chain here called harvey's and if i go in there i mean like when they, they ask you what you know when you're what do you want on it? I mean, it's just like, you know, throw a pickle and a couple onions on there. Like, I I really am very simple with these types of things. I mean, the I only thing... I do think you can train your palate. And you just, you enjoy... I know sometimes you, when you're when it's time to eat, it's not always the most enjoyable thing. You're just shoveling. But there, I do think that you, on some level, enjoy the utility of what you've got. You know what I mean? You learn to appreciate the taste of actual meat. You know, well, it's actually or, funny you bring that up because so, so oftentimes I'll see somebody like, for instance, I you know my family had a big get together. We had corn, you know, a few days ago, and you know everybody's piling it on with the you know the salt and the the the, the pepper and you know glazing it and, and you know butter and and to me it's just like oh well I mean yeah I'm not saying that doesn't taste good but to me it's just like well you know I mean I'm just trying to I, I appreciate the taste of a fresh piece of cor- you know uh, corn just as is. Right. This is, that's kind of what I'm saying as far as what you're saying, Lonnie, as far as like meat. Like I, I don't really necessarily need to garnish it all <clears throat> because I just enjoy the taste of what it is as is. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I enjoy the taste of my butter and sometimes I'll put a little corn on <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm that way with meat. You know, like give me a steak and I'm not one to put any like steak sauce and stuff. No, nope, no. Nope. A little salt and pepper and I, I like I, I like just a big steak, no plain. <clears throat> but, yeah, One of the best meals I ever had was a, I think it was like a two pound steak. It was falling off either side of my plate, and I washed it down with a couple of burgers. <laughs> my brother, <laughs> my brother, and I did that. You see, my it whole was just thing good. is, my whole thing is when I do, I, I kind of balance out the, the tedium of of my, you know, normal day to day diet by, by you know once or twice a week I will go like for instance I went out with a couple of friends a couple of days ago to a restaurant up here and I had uh, chicken penny pasta you know w- which was absolutely loaded with cheese um, and that type of thing so that that kind of you know holds me over you know what I mean so it's not like I'd never do enjoy the taste of food but when I do enjoy the taste of a food it would be something like that or a pizza or something like that um, as opposed to you know you know my my meal to meal situation where I'm going in, you know, and I'm like I say, I'm pulling out cards from a recipe box and you know trying to <laughs> come up with ways. Oh, right. of, you know, I I do not do that. I never I can see Fortress do that. doing that, fiddling through a recipe box. <laughs> yeah, it, but you know, it's 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 not. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to put forth the idea that some sort of machismo thing, way of doing things because I really don't believe that. There's nothing there's nothing non machismo about actually being able to make tasty food. And well, Rob, you're a single guy, right? Usually the, the reasons that I'm getting a little fancier is because I'm trying to do something that is going to help my goals and then also, like, my son will eat it. My wife will eat it. You right. know, so there's almost a compromise kind of thing. And if I was if I was running solo here, I'd probably be much more utility, you know. 
But I mean, uh, you know, I, I can I can see a date, you know, where I will. Because, you know, people come sometimes, my sisters or something will throw out an idea for something. And, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even consider it when I was 25. But, you know, now I think, well, you know, you know, maybe one day I will do that, right? I will experiment a little bit with a little bit. I mean, you know, it's, it's still going to be very limited, you know, for me. But, you know, I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be a day where I'll eventually try and... Because even you, Lonnie, in the last several weeks have made mention of, you know, um, you were saying that your throat, what was the big thing you were talking about? Uh, Casadillas or... Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a whole big list. In fact, before I forget everybody, because I want to bring Mike into this, because Mike's going to be a little bit more exotic with some of what he what he recommends. I'm thinking, I don't know, Mike, Mike will travel and go catch his own fresh fish and do some awesome stuff like that. <laughs> but but um, there's a recipes um, Microsoft Word document, and it's available in the article library on ironradio.org. Just You can go check them out. I, I literally analyzed all of them for protein, carbon, fat content, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, so Phil can zero in on the highest calorie item. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but anyway, yeah, so there's a big list of those. I'm going to share some of those today. Um, but, Mike, let's, let's just get with you. Do you have any specific favorites or, uh, or tips? Yeah, like the biggest tip, um, that's funny you're talking about exotic stuff. We went up to Alaska uh, last year. And my uncle lives up there and has a boat, so we were able to go out uh, halibut and salmon fishing. So we went out, like, man, like probably five days, and we, my wife and I each brought back, uh, like, 50 pounds of fish as an extra bag on the way back. So that was that was pretty awesome. Amazing. Um, yeah, so even just getting, like, a an extra freezer, I'm sure Phil can talk about this, too. You know, a lot of times you can find pretty high-quality meats, <clears throat> like if you buy it directly from a local farmer. Um, we bought some from a guy we know in Iowa. We bought like literally a quarter of a cow and just, you know, had it all, you know, cleaned and processed, um, stuck it in the freezer. We found, did that again with actually a grass fed one from a guy just in Wisconsin. <clears throat> he was kind enough to even, you know, basically just deliver it right to our house. Um, and if you buy like in bulk like that or you, you know, split it with, you know, a couple other people, it's really not any more expensive than what you would buy in the store, you know, and you kind of, I always kind of wonder sometimes where the, the hamburger in the store comes from, and yeah, kind of makes me a little leery, and then it, it seems to taste a lot better, too, so I think if you can find a good good source of, you know, protein first, you can buy it in bulk, that always helps, and then when you're cooking stuff, usually the, the sort of the rate-limiting step, if you want to use, like, the geeky terms, is usually protein, and it's usually the longest to cook, too. So a lot of times we'll, you know, buy chicken breast from the, the local market or whatever and, you know, throw like six, seven pounds on the grill and keep them in the fridge for about a week or so. And then just have to heat them up, you know, add some vegetables or carbs or you guys are talking about potatoes or, you know, whatever you want to add to it. And it doesn't take you very long, but you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, man, I got to, you know, in Rob's case, you know, heat the, the water to throw your chicken in or whatever it seems like the more steps you have to do, it's just too easy to kind of talk yourself out of it at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, weekend uh, pre-prep, I think, can be huge. If you if yep. you can force yourself to, yeah, get some of the stuff half prepared. You know, there's an old term, mise en place, <clears throat> everything in its place. You know, have stuff at arm's length so you can grab it and mix, basically mix it together, marry the flavors a little bit, and, you know, be ready to rock. Yeah. Um, before I get, I, I have a, I'm just looking at my cell phone of all the kinds of, you know, 10 minute, $10 meal ideas, and I'll shotgun these at everybody in a minute. I, I tend to tweet these. I tweet what I eat. Um, but 
Phil, I, I wanted you to personally address the concept of, you know, carbs as a delivery vehicle and things like that. So what do you mean by that? Can you explain? Well, that, one of the best ways is probably like a burrito. You know, you've got this carb wrapper that you can stuff with all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fill it up with meats and, and, uh, and you know, your protein and veg and fats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that. I mean, you look at a pizza and basically all the crust is is a way to get a, a clean way to get cheese and meat to your mouth. You know, and tomato <laughs> sauce. So it's just so you can hold it, you know, because right. if we poured you a bowl of cheese and meat and tomato sauce, then you'd need a spoon or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. And that would slow uh, it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's that type of thing. So, I mean, it just, just, it's convenient. Well, look at a sandwich. A sandwich is just good stuff wrapped between two pieces of carbohydrate. Um, that type of thing. Um, and I do the same thing with, you know, I'll, I'll mix up big, we've talked about it before. I was, I was on a rice kick for a while. So, you know, I mixed rice and then my goal was to mix five different kinds of protein, five different kinds of fat, five different kinds of vegetables in it and just make this smorgasbord of, of just crazy food. But, uh, and right now, I, we made up two big batches of, I'm on a potato kick, so I've eaten like 50 pounds of potatoes in the last week. Uh, That's a lot. Of we made up two huge pans of like cheesy potatoes that have uh, chicken and cheese and, you know, and, and whatnot in them. And, uh, I think people forget carbs and fats are, are fuel. You know, if protein's yeah. a building mm-hmm. block and it's not a preferred fuel source, what do you knit all that protein together with? Well, that would be calories and that would be carbs and fats, yeah. you know. And so. oddly enough, a lot of times I'll, I'll cook like, like Michael saying, I'll, I'll fire up a smoker or fire up the, the oven and I'll cook way ahead. You know, we'll cook, I'll throw 50 pounds of chicken on, uh, on the smoker and cook it up. Um, but a lot of times what I cook ahead is, uh, the other stuff, like my potatoes and stuff like that and make a boatload of them. And then I can always grab meat, you know, grab a piece of meat and heat it up. And then I have, but I, it takes more time because I, like we were talking about, I, I like my steak being steak. So, and that doesn't take that long, but it might, you know, if it, the other stuff that has 15, 20 different items in it, ingredients, it, it takes a little more time. But, uh, that's so what that that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that's steak. Good. I'm like you. I like I like my steak unfooled around with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but stuff like chicken, I can tell you, like in times when I've gone through several months preparing for bodybuilding shows, it gets very expensive. A and B, yeah. very boring. Because oh, yeah. toward the end, you've got nothing but pretty much chicken breasts and yams on, in front of you every day. <laughs> you know, and Rob knows what I'm talking. Oh about. yeah. Oh yeah. Not fun at all. So yeah. It, yeah the more, and I mean, we we would do stuff like spray. Um, artificial butter spray on the on the yams, you know, to, just to try to get them uh, wet enough to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pathetic. Yeah. So you don't have to be like that in the off season, right? Most of the bodybuilder's life is in the off season. Just and in that case, he's a lot like uh, the standard powerlifter, he or she. Uh, so yeah. I, anyway, so when it comes to chicken, although I I like chicken. Um, I try to do fun stuff with it. So, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I don't know how that sounds, but okay. Let me shut a list of ideas here. These are stuff that I've been, I've been tweeting before. One is you can buy, uh, this is chicken. I needed some flavor. You can get frozen packets, uh, at like, even like a Walmart. Uh, and sometimes they have flavoring in them. And, you know, so there's the vehicle. So they have these like, um, Southwest, uh, veg and rice with the sauce mixed in. And you just, Snip up the chicken. I like to use scissors, snip it into the pan with some olive oil, you know, just sizzle them up. Uh, mix in this uh, 
frozen bag of stuff, boom, done. Uh, yeah. And I've even done that with um, just like of soup. Like you can get steak and cheese soup or something. So I'll take that. I'll snip up some round steak into the pan again with the olive oil, brown it up, dump it in the you know cheese and potato steak soup or whatever, and now it's a stew. You know, so starting with a frozen bag of veg or with a can of soup for your flavor or, you know, the sauce or the delivery. And like Rob, I don't seek sauces and condiments and all that kind of stuff, but these are great ways uh, kind of along that same route like Phil's talking about with vehicles because I'm not going to probably eat three chicken breasts dry, you know. <laughs> that would really yeah. suck. Yeah. But yeah. snipped up in a big stew or soup or something – now we're talking, yeah. you know. You know, um, one of the if you are a competitive bodybuilder and anybody who has been knows this is true, and I got, I found this to be true for sure. If you're using things like uh, you know protein powders for you know to supplement your intake, um, this just goes to show that anything that's flavorful or, or that you deem to be um, with enough quantity of this can become a pain in the ass as well. Lonnie's talking about, you know, chicken breast being dry and how that kind of gets old after a while, and it most certainly does. But I remember somebody saying to me, you know, if you're supplementing pre-contest with, you know, a protein powder and it's you have a choice, get something that's just no flavor because, you know, you, you, your initial reaction is, oh, I'm going to get the tasty Dutch chocolate, you know what I mean, or something like that. And, yeah, that's that, that tastes good for the first, you know, eight or ten times. But I'll tell you, any flavor, if you do, like, two or three of those a day for four weeks, I'm telling you, man, you don't want Dutch chocolate anymore. So That's a great point. <laughs> I had some banana protein, right. flavored protein, and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, three <laughs> days later, not so great. Yeah, exactly. It's those, I can stick with, like, a vanilla or chocolate a long time. But it's those odd flavors that are like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Uh, orange Julius or whatever, you know. <laughs> After about four of those, it's like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. let's face it, you take vanilla, you could put any flavor you want in that. Yeah. Like, I'll make uh, apple cinnamon shakes where I just, I take an apple and I chop it up in the blender, throw in some graham crackers and some cinnamon, and then some vanilla protein. Boom. You know, so vanilla. Oh, wow. It, <clears throat> That's, I guess that's fancy for a shake, but by the way, <laughs> you can Google protein shake recipes. There's some amazing stuff online. Okay, so you know what? I got a question for you guys, not not to not yeah. to derail too much, but just as a side bit of, bit of humor. What's the worst thing that you've ever dreamed up to do, whether it be a shake or a meal? Oh, I just I, did not turn out at I all. I have post-traumatic stress from something I got to tell you. When I was in San Diego, I got home... Uh, late from school once and I had to go to the gym and I was very hacked off and I was going to get some protein because I just kept thinking about my body dining on my pecs like I always say. Yeah, and and just, just so listeners know, yeah, when when Lonnie gets hungry, he gets, to, to use a word that he always uses, he gets very salty. Yes. Well, you know, my only defense is that the, the rage centers in your hypothalamus are right next to the hunger centers. <laughs> but uh, and that's probably why Phil once left alone. Yeah. But anyway, I got home, and I'm like, there was no protein powder. There was nothing. I was broke. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I threw um, three cans of tuna in a blender with water. Oh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and I drank, and yeah. I dry he I was like, Ugh! I was like yeah. gagging, dry heaving, and trying to force it down. Worst ever. Don't no, do I get I get help from that from my wife, because I'll, I'll crack open a can of tuna and just eat it raw. But uh, well, the I'll worst that, thing I ever... But, go ahead. Yeah. 
But the, the shake was was horrific. Yeah, that sounds bad. Put it on ice or something. Put a little. Oh, you, yeah. you could have made it into like a margarita or something. Put a, <laughs> the, <laughs> put a hunk of celery in it and a little bit a hat. But uh, <laughs> the worst one I've ever done. It wasn't for dieting or anything, but it was when I was just learning how to like use a smoker. And you've heard like people will soak like chicken breast in buttermilk, yes. you know, or something like that. Yeah. Well, I figured I got the bright idea that you know, if soaking it in buttermilk, we had a turkey that I was going to smoke. If soaking it in buttermilk was great, then injecting it would be even better. And if you know anything about smoking, you cook it at a low temperature, you know, 200, oh, 250. No. So I smoked this turkey, and it was beautiful on the inside, I know on the outside, <laughs> and cut it open. It was just this goo uh-huh. of buttermilk that, like, over 12 hours or 8 hours, that turkey was on there, just turned into a festering, like, pus sore. Oh, <laughs> 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 The bacteria just ran amok. Inside that turkey, so you cut it open. It was like bleh. it was just this blob inside. It was all oh, so. You know, you know, my mine is is a shake as well, Lonnie, and, and I got the idea just because of something that you said. Now that you say what your worst case scenario was, it was mimics mine a lot too. Mine was, I think, uh, yeah, a couple cans of tuna, and I put an apple in there and milk, and uh, oh my god, it was. Oh. This was probably when I was about eighteen or nineteen, and it was. Yeah, it was something else. But you know what? I did drink it. Well, yeah, you're not going to waste that. Oh, but it I was got to get it down. It yeah. was quite simply the most brutal thing that, I, that I've ever tasted. It Mike, was... have you ever done anything like this? Yeah, one of the the worst ones I made is when I was poor. I'm like thinking, okay, so I go to the store and you're kind of looking around. It's like, well, what could I subsist on for a while? That you know, I get a veggie, you know, get some, you know, essential fats, get some protein. So I decided to take like those little tins of like mackerel. Oh and yeah. And I'm looking in the vegetable aisle and they had uh, rutabaga. And I go, wow, these things are huge and they're dirt cheap. So I, <laughs> I throw both of these together and I tried cooking it and oh my god, the mackerel smelled up the whole bunch oh, of yeah. Steve. And the rutabaga <laughs> were just like you just have to cook the snot out of those things and they were raw and tasteless and it was oh, it was yeah. nuts. It well was done. Not at when I was in graduate school, like I can handle like we were talking about cans of tuna. And uh oh, I remember cracking open cans of mackerel because I was like, Look at this stuff, it's a huge can that's like a dollar. Yeah. And so it's so cheap that oh choking that stuff down yep. is oh, you might as well eat fish bait. Yep. It's bad. It's like two. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me segue to a meal we would actually suggest here. <laughs> One of the things I think people can do with tuna is, uh, yeah, because I, I'll eat it straight sometimes too. I wash it down with orange juice. That might seem gross, but it it really hides the the flavor. I mean, you think about citrus and fish, you know, kind of goes together. But it, I, that's how I used to wolf down the straight tuna from the can. But uh, one thing that I would suggest is if you go get tuna helper. Like, by itself, you know, this is salty processed stuff, but you can take this stuff and dump stuff like uh, buy a bag of frozen peas or asparagus or something and, of course, triple or quadruple up on the tuna. Um, and you can even put shrimp. You can actually get, you know, the mini shrimp at Walmart for quite cheap, believe it or not. And you can end up turning something like a box of tuna helper into an actual meal that the whole family would eat, you know, and then, of course, you're getting your... Uh, you're tripling up on the veg and the protein content and everything, so um, something you could actually do, I think, <laughs> without gagging. Yeah, it's that time of year. I think. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I just said I have a quick funny story about tuna fillets. I um, did the race across America. I was a volunteer for it. So this bike race we started in San Diego, and the guys finished in Atlantic City. 
So we get like halfway through this thing, and I hadn't eaten for like 24 hours. I'm starving, and we get to a gas station, and I had these packages of tuna that were in like these foil packages. They're actually fillets, and the things are like bulletproof. I think they actually radiate them so they can't spoil, like an MRE. And the thing had been sitting underneath the RV for like days on end, hot, cold, whatever. So I take it out. And I heated it up in the microwave at like an SA that we stopped at. And the whole place on the inside of the SA just starts to smell like bad tuna. And I open the microwave door and run out of there. And the guy behind the cash register is like, what the hell smells in here? <laughs> and I looked at it. And I'm like, well, it looks okay. And I ate it and I lived. But um, it was still pretty good, actually. <laughs> I'll tell you. Usually follow your nose. By the way, I bet listeners yeah. have heard about the – there's like something like on the order of 40% food waste in the U.S., uh, and this is actually up 50% since the 1970s. So we used to have 20% food waste. Now we have 40%, and people are saying, oh, my God, we waste so much food. And So being poor, like Mike was talking about when he used to be poor, I remember I was lifeguarding when I was a, um, an undergrad, I think, and um, I had taken a big – giant Tupperware thing of pasta, just straight up spaghetti, might have been some chicken in there, uh, and I was eating on it all day, and I'm like, you know, refrigerations for the week, you know, I'm just going to eat on this all day, and I went down, and you know, you're know, you talking about like 95 degree heat in the middle of the Midwest summer, oh. you know, and I go down to the pump room, I get it, I open the container, and it's like green gas, <laughs> and I'm like, I got nothing else, it's going down, <laughs> So I, it went down all right, but it was what I call a rubber meal. It bounced right back out. So, <laughs> so yeah, if it smells bad, you know, when in doubt, throw it out, kids. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh by the way, I want to give a plug for some of Phil's uh, heroic meals. I asked Phil for a ton of photos of these giant, you know, um, smoked, you know, buffet kind of things he's got going on. He's got, you know, rack after rack after rack of meat smoking. A lot of these pictures are in the the protein book that I sort of uh, push at the end of the show. But, I mean, there are pictures of things like, I don't know, bacon-wrapped meatballs surrounded by steak. You know, it's just ridic- <laughs> ridiculous um, meat extravaganzas, giant steak and egg meals and stuff like that. So if you want to look at uh, heroic, epic protein meals... Uh, maybe we could post some of those on the, on our Facebook page because they yeah, were I've just. Got uh, plenty of, I have like a section of food porn on my. Facebook. So good. Just, yeah. um, it's that time of year, so you can't not mention it. I mean, chili is a great one. Yes. Make a huge vat of chili. I mean, you, there's not really any meat that doesn't work in there. Mm-hmm. And you can throw vegetables in it. You know, throw some mushrooms in there and this and that, and, and go at it. You can go as low. I mean, tomatoes aren't that high in carbohydrates, people. Um, if you don't want to add beans, don't add beans. I mean, so. And beans are so low glycemic index. Yeah. They're not even practically. No, I mean, I think it's great. <laughs> you load it up and add some cheese to it and go out. I'm a big chili fan. Chili, uh, you know, um, um, like the soup recipes I was talking about, uh, stew, meat pie, which is really nothing but cans of beef stew with some added beef chunks in there in a pre-made pie crust. I mean, yeah. It's a no-brainer. You know, yeah. it's just you make it into a pie. Uh, you can buy those chickens, those rotisserie chickens. Go get yourself two of those and buy one of those little frozen bags of, again, at Walmart, they've got these, like, um, Walmart should hire me, uh, these, like, frozen 
bags of roasted vegetables. It's like potatoes and green beans and red peppers, and it's all in like a sauce. So, I mean, you serve that together, and it's like you've got, you know, literally in under five minutes, almost like a pseudo-Thanksgiving meal on your hands. So I love yeah. the rotisserie chicken stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, I've turkeys. Done the I've chili done is a win. You know, yeah. I've done that many times. You just drive back and you go into a you know, grocery store and get the, you know, like you said, those chickens that they have there that, you know, it's whatever, six, seven bucks or whatever. And you buy a couple tubs worth of macaroni salad or something. And you just go home and plop that on a thing. You don't even have to do anything with it. You just take the whole chicken, put it on the plate, grab a knife and a fork, and dump the freaking macaroni <laughs> salad on the side. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Another one I don't understand is why people don't eat more turkey. You know, people think turkey, they think Thanksgiving. We'll buy them all year round. It's, you get a big freaking, it's like a super chicken for, <laughs> for, eight, for like 80 cents a pound or less. You know, they, they, and they sell them all year long. But I, you never hear people eating turkey aside from, you know, around the holidays. I think they have a particular flavor. I actually prefer chicken because, like, it's, it's that bland rule that you were talking about, yeah. like with the vanilla. And chicken is like the vanilla of meats. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, but you're right. You, certainly... You can't forget stuff like turkey, or like I mentioned a few minutes ago, snip up some low-fat kielbasa or something and mix it in with your chicken and your meats, and just for flavor, you know, it's just, uh, I know that's nitrated meat and all that, but what? Well, on me, I mean, you know, if I cook a chicken, it's one meal. If I cook a turkey, I got something to pick on for a while. <laughs> no, that's a good point. <laughs> Scavenger. No, you guys were mentioning stew. Stews, I think, uh, you know, historically, stews have been quite popular back in the frontier days and so forth and you can you can really see why you know because it is i mean stew is one of those things where calories you know, tons yeah. of yeah tons of calories you can get all that muscle building goodness in there it doesn't taste like royal crap unless you totally screw it up and yeah i mean things like that are just wonderful yeah there's not much you can't throw in there i mean any kind of vegetable yeah old, you know, any old, kind of meat old shoes whatever you got yeah if you boil it long enough you can eat it that's nice. Old lifting <laughs> for some flavor. You know, a couple more things here. If you want to talk about vehicles and stuff, a couple of my favorites. One is fish tacos. I love to make these things. Mm. You can even get cheap tilapia, fry mm. it up in a little olive oil or a little butter. Uh, basically, yeah, like Phil said, you throw it on the on the starchy tortilla there, and you could go with low carb tortilla if you want. But um, some refried beans. They even have refried black beans, mm-hmm. guacamole, some cabbage. So good. Another one I do is um, Mediterranean stir fry, and this is something guys that are listening, or or ladies, you want to impress your uh, significant other. This stuff looks like it's it took forever to make. It's very sort of exotic, and yet it's so fast it's ridiculous. What you do is you you brown up the the chicken in the pan, and then you get a bag of frozen like broccoli, uh, and the rest of it's all in jars. Really, you can get artichoke hearts in a can or in jars. You dump that in sun dried tomatoes. Uh, in a little jar, dump that in. They're usually in their own sautéed sort of oil, uh, black olives, really anything you can think of, and you make this huge Mediterranean stir-fry, and all you really did was stir it around in the pan for 10 minutes. So it's really, really good stuff, too. I just think most people, they drop the ball, they eat like the same five things or 15 things, I think it's, I've heard, over and over again, and they forget that vegetables are more than just those nasty gray-looking canned green beans. You know, that you can have artichoke hearts and sun-dried tomatoes. And, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as as Mike with the, the what was it, mackerel and, what, what was it? Yeah. Rutabaga. Rutabaga. <laughs> but at least, at least it's outside the box. 
you know, and I think that's what people need to do is get online, type in, you know, different recipe ideas and and see what they can find. So, well, isn't that your one of your big things you've told people to do? Like every week, you know, try and buy something different. Yeah, you know, from the produce section, you know, get something new. (laughs) You know, know, here's an example. Uh, When I was in in college, we used to get those down here, Rob. They call them Robin Hood, like dry pizza flour, you know, and I don't know what, what it's called up there, but there's different brands down here too. But um, And so you you add water. I mean, now yeah. you've got a vehicle, right, like yeah. Phil talks about. So what I do now, though, is instead of just doing it like I used to when I was 19 years old, I'll do stuff like I'll put slices of fresh mozzarella and spinach and chicken on top, you know, or smear mm. some pesto on it first, Um so good. It, it, and again, it's like it's re- this fancy Wolfgang Puck thing going yeah. on. And, <laughs> and all you did was, you know, spread out some um, prefab pizza dough and, you know, put stuff on it. Yeah. So it, it all comes down to, you know, I had, used to have an old uh, cooking uh, nutrition science professor. He used to say, it's all about presentation. It's all presentation. And that's like the joke in my house. You can serve almost anything if you present it pretty. So. <laughs> Another cooking tip, too, you talked about uh, oils. I really like coconut oil, especially if I cook or fry anything, because um, it's highly saturated. You can find the organic stuff, you know, relatively inexpensive. It has a little bit of a sweeter taste to it, um, so I like using it for eggs and you know pretty much anything that I'm going to fry at a slightly higher temperature, because the saturated fats handle the, the temperature pretty good, and uh, the taste of it I actually like quite a bit, so it's something that's pretty easy to use, too. Really? You don't find it too... Because uh, I don't know. You don't find it... Um too coconutty to fry stuff? No, it's. I find it actually tastes a little bit sweeter, but the, yeah. it doesn't really taste <clears throat> overly coconutty, in my opinion. Yeah, we use a ton of it here. My yeah, wife I like it. it from, so yeah. far, everyone I've had try it. They, except for one person, everyone seemed to like it. So. And it also depends on what you get. We get two different kinds. One's like a hand-expressed, so it's, it's just oh, more sure. coconutty, and then, yep. they're, then they're, you can get the machine that's not, okay. yeah. not so much. Yep. So. Olive oil is the same <clears throat> way here. You know, quick mm-hmm. tip: if you get EVOO, it's very green and aromatic. Yeah. And it's the kind of uh-huh. thing you put on pizza. But if you get the just regular olive oil, it's really pretty neutral. Uh-huh. You know. So, uh, yeah, that's. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here licking ranch out of a bowl. It's great. <laughs> 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 Nicely done. I I'll also <laughs> add coconut flour is fun to cook with. I've been experimenting with that with like even no bake cookies, believe it or not. I wanted an alternative mm. to my oatmeal peanut butter no bakes. So I uh, Phil, you would love these. These are calorie balls. I should put a recipe on our Facebook page. <laughs> these things have co- shredded coconut, coconut flour, and the binding medium is pretty much just butter. <laughs> butter oh, and water. Nice. Uh, and there's dates, dates in mixed in in there and stuff, and um, they're so rich. I mean, you can only eat so much of this stuff, but um, well, unless you're Phil. Yeah. <laughs> my latest thing is I posted on Facebook the other day. I started mixing because I came back from my freaking seminar and I lost ten pounds in like six days. Oh. My wife got pissed because um, I have to stay a hundred pounds heavier, or, or she's going to divorce me. But um, oh. <laughs> so my latest thing is mixing Hershey's chocolate syrup with heavy whipping cream. Oh, I love heavy whipping cream. Oh, man. (laughs) It's just pure fat and chocolate. Oh, man. Yeah, that's calories, baby. Yeah. Just take, like, heavy whipping cream and mix, like, some fat-free, sugar-free pudding mix and a little bit of protein powder. Oh, really good. Oh, I've never added the heavy whipping cream like that. Like, I do the protein powder, but... Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. That's why we have guys like Mike on the show, people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Okay, well, that's all I've got. I think that's a lot of ideas uh, that listeners can, uh, you know, think about. And you know what? Like anything, other weeks we should start a little thread, uh, and people yeah. can post their recipe ideas because I totally want ideas. What it comes down to is ideas, right? Can you do something fairly quick? You know, in ten or twenty minutes, preferably. Again, with the pre-prep, like Mike and I were discussing, and um, yeah, just ideas. What's what's your idea? And uh, maybe you need the Iron Radio recipe book. I know. <laughs> I actually, got a, I got a chef friend of mine working on some for me. But yeah, it'd be like it'd be like, like a section for Phil's, a section for Lonnie's, then <laughs> they yep. give you a back page. Just you just see a picture of a chicken. There's Rob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a chicken and a cow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All Sounds right. good. I'll put that up right now. So hey, thanks for being Until on. Until next man. week, Mike. Thanks hey. for being on. Oh yeah, no, always a pleasure. Thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, always a good time. And if people want any more information on me, they can check out my website. Just go to www.mike.tnelson.com and you can uh, get. Six that's not the one with the naked videos for free. Right? That's not the, the what? That's not the website with the naked pictures on it. No, no. That's one safe for work. It's all right. It's safe for work. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fellas. All right, guys. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iRadio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.